Hello and welcome to Interpreting India. I'm Srinath Raghavan and this is a podcast presented by Carnegie India. Every two weeks, we bring to you voices from India and around the world as we unpack the role of technology, the economy and foreign policy in shaping India's relationship with the world. In the light of the recent coronavirus outbreak, we are now recording and producing episodes of Interpreting India remotely. In 2019, India's remittances from overseas touched a new high of 79 billion US dollars. With the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, however, many Indians abroad faced job losses and pay cuts and in some cases were forced to return home. As a consequence, the World Bank estimates that remittances to India will fall this financial year by as much as 23%. This could have a significant impact on India's balance of payments and pose yet another challenge to the Indian economy. There is a further question of employment and opportunities for Indian workers who have returned from abroad, a problem that will have to be dealt with by their states. In this episode of Interpreting India, we discuss the likely impact of the falling remittances on Indian economy and consider how this might play out in the short and in the long run. With us on the show is one of India's leading experts on the subject, Professor S. Irdeer Rajan. Professor Irdeer Rajan is chair professor at the Center for Development Studies in the Ministry of Overseas Indian Affairs Research Unit on International Migration in Tiruvannathapuram. He has more than 3 decades of research experience and has coordinated several major migration surveys in Kerala and other states since 1998. He has published extensively in national and international journals on social, economic and demographic implications of international migration. He has also been the editor of the annual Indian Migration Report published by Rutledge. Professor Irde Rajan, welcome to Interpreting India. Great to have you with us today. Thank you. I want to begin sir by asking you if you could uh, give our listeners an overview of what India's relationship with the rest of the world is as seen through the lens of remittances what do remittances mean for indian economy who are the main beneficiaries which regions are the ones which are uh, tied into this chain of remittances uh, and you know that will hopefully set us up for a larger discussion on what the pandemic has done to the system to understand what is the remittances economy in india we should look at the migrants because the remittances is sent by migrants i think that is where we have to start with that and if you look at the data whatever we have from the both the government of india and other sources india is currently having close to 20 million indians are working anywhere in the world probably close to 200 plus countries but indians also presents in 200 plus countries and covid also presents in 200 plus countries so it's like we are indians and covid are almost in the same direction we are all we are, we are present everywhere covid also present in 200 plus countries now but if you put the 200 plus countries indians out of this 20 million 10 millions are living in just six countries in the gulf uae saudi arabia qatar bahrain oman and kuwait these six countries accommodate close to 10 million indians the remaining 10 million indians are rotated rotating anywhere in the world including uk us canada australia paris every country they have some numbers but please remember we also have close to another 20 million indians who are what we call them diaspora which are they they were once upon a time they were indians we have what is called the people of indian origin so that will be close to 20 million 
Now, these diaspora also sometimes not directly giving remittance, they do support some activities in, in India. So, let us leave them right now outside our conversation. Let us talk about, you know, the migrants who are still holding Indian passport. They have some family to support back at home. They will only send remittances. Not somebody is living with their family and their parents in, in, in say, in America. They are not going to send you money regularly every month. They will be sending whenever there is a requirement or some demand from the family. Otherwise, the remittances are sent by the hardcore migrants who have some members left behind in the countries of origin, which is India. So that is the uh, that is the global picture of uh, migration. Now, if you convert these migrants into remittances, last year pre-COVID, India received close to eighty billion US dollars. 80 billion US dollar, and we are number one in the world in terms of remittances. So we are a, you know, it's it's a. Of course, the 80 billion is not a very big when you compare with the national income, India's national income. But unfortunately, any data, whatever you have, it's only giving you some number on India. You don't get any state level picture. That is why I always tell governments, both state government and central government, we should have some database on migrants. By states, we don't have any database. Of course, we are running some surveys. Kerala has some database. We have 2.5 million Keralites are abroad. Some states, we have some numbers. Otherwise, we don't have numbers on how the 10 million migrants in the Gulf are distributed. We don't have any number. Because we don't have any number on migrants, we also don't have a number on out of the 80 billion comes to India, how this money is distributed across India by states, by districts. We have no idea. For example, according to some of my understanding, every one, you know, every five rupees come to India, one rupee comes to Kerala. That means 20% of the remittances comes to Kerala alone. That means if you talk about 80 billion, almost 15, 16 billion comes to only Kerala. So remaining distributed to all the remaining states. Then you think of what are the next other states, maybe Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, Telangana, then UP, Rajasthan, because Punjab and Gujarat will not figure out very much because they have more diaspora population. They have people in Canada, they have people in the UK, but they, they are not sending remittances. They are diaspora investment will come, diaspora philanthropy will come, but the remittances is coming. Number one, Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, now Rajasthan, Bihar, UP is emerging. So these are the ones receiving remittances. But the, unfortunately, as long as we have no data on remittances by states, if you go to the World Bank website, they will give you how much comes to India. But India is too big where it goes to other states. Now, if you talk about Kerala alone, according to our estimate, the remittances comes to Kerala is close to 36% of the Kerala state income. But for India, it's only 3% of the national income. So for India, remittances is not that important. But state like Kerala, Tamil Nadu, it is close to 15% of the uh, state, uh, state income. Andhra, we have not done study because Kerala and Tamil Nadu, we have done a larger study on migration. So I can tell you about these numbers. But India, 80 billion is a big number, but the distribution, we know very little about that. But only we talk about, oh, Kerala is getting more, Tamil Nadu is getting less, maybe Andhra getting a little less, like that. But we don't have a clear database on the remittance distribution cut across uh, the country. Only we have some type of estimates and estimates. And sir, am I right in understanding that even the Reserve Bank of India doesn't have these kind of data at a more disaggregated state or district level and so on? which is that, uh, you know, we only have a macro figure of what is the inward flows rather than a more disaggregated picture. 
you are you are right because they do sometimes studies to bring back something on which state get little bit remittances but they don't produce statistics like you know 80 billion or 78 billion how it is distributed but the point is that probably they will be able to you know you know you know delineate the remittances because it's all coming through different banks but it is lot of work for them it is easy to get, give one number uh, india but if you want to do 28 states and seven union territories are you know then automatically they have to do lot of work you know the mechanism is important you know and and then i think maybe the states are not demanding i think there is no demand for the remittances data by states how much a bigar gets the bigar would like to know asking the indian government we would like to know 80 billion came to india how much came to uh, bigar it is 5 billion or 6 billion people are asking questions probably then you will get the answer otherwise right now we don't have a remittances distribution katagra states even katagra is a district i am i am telling for example in kerala i said kerala is number one in terms of remittances what we know 20 you know 20% which comes to india comes to kerala but in kerala we talk about that malappuram receives the highest remittances that is the based on our estimates then when you look at the taluk level thirur in malappuram receives the highest remittances so we can go up to taluk and district level based on some estimates but that type of estimates are not available at the big national level you know big national level so the next question that i wanted to ask you was really something which flows out of this which is that you know what exactly in your assessment has been the impact of the pandemic on broader patterns of migration has there been a significant change to the outflow of migrants from india we read in the papers about you know migrants coming back and going back to their home districts etc could you give us a sense of what your assessment of the impact of covid has been see there are you know the remittances are based on the stock of the indian migrants 20 million indians are sending 80 billion you know if you put that number some type of linkages you know the covid has created two problem one is that people were not able to go the flow has come down because there are no flights i know in kerala i talked to many migrants they have visa who came on leave in 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 march beginning they were not able to go to gulf because The, the, the whole things are closed so the airport is closed every country closed their border even state closed their border even district border, border is closed you know that so automatically the flow has been come down but then return has started return was not there in march 24 when the government of india announced the lockdown but then because of the so much demand and so much noise by many state government india has to finally start what is called the one day bharat flight but my estimate is we have 20 million indians throughout the world i expect at least 10 to 15% of the uh, uh, migrants will come back due to covid 19 that mean between 20 to 30 million uh, 20 to 30 lakhs migrants are likely to come so we have 20 million we are talking about 10 to 15% will come back even one day bharat flight already brought 12 lakhs of course i know some of them are, some of them are dependents so that that is a return migration now when the people are returning that means your stock is coming down in all the countries including the gulf because kerala's uh, government told me they received already 3 lakh return migrants from the from the gulf itself during the uh, one day bharat flights so if the stock is going to come down automatically remittances is likely to come down now world bank predicts close to 25% to 30% decline in south asia but my prediction is based on 
my understanding on remittances in the 2018-2008 global crisis. And we also have seen Kerala had floods in 2018. When you look at some type of crisis period in Kerala's history and the global theme, I expect probably 15% remittances will come down. That means we are talking about $80 billion came in 2019-20 in, 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 in period. So 2021, it will be likely to be at least 10 billion, at least 10 billion less to India. Now, 10 billion less to India, as I said earlier, it will be distributed again, cut across the country. The state which are going to lose more remittances will be the states which are gaining more remittances. So Kerala will be led as one of the states losing remittances, followed by uh, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, Rajasthan, UP, you know, that, that, that list continues, but there is definitely a decline of remittances by at least 10 billion to India. And for Kerala, I, predict, I predicted between 10,000 to 15,000 crores, which will be down uh, compared to the 2020 period. Uh, so just to continue the discussion on Kerala itself, uh, now Kerala is a state uh, that, as you explained, has been quite heavily uh, dependent on remittance income. And uh, your studies, as well as studies of many others, have shown about what the contribution of remittances from the Gulf has been to Kerala's somewhat remarkable successes in so many development uh, indicators and other areas. Uh, so now with remittance income faltering, and the state governments are already feeling the crunch because of the economic slowdown which has followed the pandemic. So how do you think the, the fall in remittances is going to impact on the local economy of uh, Kerala itself, not just with respect to, you know, employment opportunities for migrants, which I want to talk about. But first, I just want to understand what your assessment of this kind of a shortfall in inflow on the economy of the state as a whole is going to be. I think, I think if you look at the Kerala's economy story or Kerala's growth story, the remittances has played a very important role, even Kerala achieving human development index. Kerala is number one in human development index, partly because the remittances, whenever they go to Gulf, if you look at the remittances use, which we should look at it very carefully, the first one is the, the migrants investing on their children education. Second is health. These are the two creates indicators for the human development. I think so the Kerala's achievement or Kerala's world bombers achievement, the Kerala model of development or Kerala's number one position in the human development contributed so much to remittances because remittances, the impact is Basically, education, health, then comes on housing, then comes on saving. Forget the first preference will be some investment on uh, schools, colleges, and then uh, hospital, which you can see a lot of private hospitals and private colleges, engineering, everything is flourishing in Kerala because a lot of money is coming and the children, uh, they, the parents want to put their children in the best school and they, they are going to the private thing. And also, advantage for Kerala is the fertility has come down. Every family has to one or two child, they don't mind investing all the money on their children, they send them international uh, international uh, migration of students. It's very heavy in Kerala, for example. The person who brought the COVID to India is from a student from China. So you can imagine that Kerala could even invest in other countries, putting their children in other countries for higher studies, in, in UK, in Australia. You know, every country you see, I was in Dubai for a meeting. I went to one of the uh, big management institutes. 70% of them are... Uh, people from India and out of them, at most 60% uh, of them from Kerala. They were all born in the Gulf. So I think lot of improvement in the human development goes to the remittances. And as I said earlier, 
remittances is equivalent to close to 30 to 35% of the Kerala state income. If that is the reality, definitely the, the, the COVID-19 is going to create a lot of impact, especially on remittances thing. But please remember, these remittances are coming to only 20% of the households in Kerala. So even 20% of the remittances from India comes to Kerala, but in, within Kerala, only 20% households in Kerala are living on remittances. 80% people living depending on other types of income. That means 20% of the people are contributing to the 36% of the income. That means it is like a over, they are, they are putting so much money on that. Of course, everybody has to follow suit with them because if the, if the land price is going up, because of the return migrants are there buying land, everything will go up. I think there is a, every hills of Kerala also people talk about the migration. But if you look at the today's context on COVID-19, we are expecting, as I said earlier, at least we have 25 lakhs Indians, uh, 25 lakhs Keralites are in the Gulf. At least three to five lakhs are likely to come. And already the government says three lakhs, but I told them only 1.5 lakhs people are real migrants. Some of them are dependent, pregnant women and children and elderly parents who went on visit visas, who are overstaying because of the visit visa. Actually, only 1.5 lakhs probably people might have come. But the return migration story is not complete. It will continue till December. What we have seen through the one-day Bharat flight is basically a teaser for the movie, which is going to come. The movie will be coming only by December. That means you can see the full-blown return migration, not just to Kerala, even India, it will be only by end of December. That is the story of return migration. Now, return migration, when they come in, there are two things that are happening. You cannot... I think you cannot, you should not put all the return migrants into what is called one category of return migrants. Return migrants are belong to three categories. One third of them who are coming back to India from the Gulf or one third of them who are coming to Kerala, we call them normal return. There is nothing to do with COVID-19. Every year, people are coming back from the Gulf because you have to come back. When you go to Gulf, you have to come back. So it is people's mind is already set. You have to come back. If you are taking a flight from Trivandrum uh, at 7 o'clock, you have to land at 10 o'clock in Delhi. So you know that. I think it's like a mindset of the Kerala people and mindset of the people who are going to Gulf. If you are going to America, maybe you can get PR. But when you are going to Gulf, you have to come back. So this coming back is some type of a normal story. Even pre-COVID, Kerala had 15 lakhs return migrants, including six return migrants sitting in the Kerala's assembly at this time. The Kerala Assembly are sitting. That means six return migrants have become an MLAs. So return migration means some people are coming back for their good. Now these people, they bring all their savings. So that is why we are still expecting the remittances will go up because they are sending every month some money. Now they said, I'm closing my shop in the Gulf. I'm coming back to start my life back in Kerala. So this, these people will be what is called, they are not affected by the remittances decline. One third of them. One third of them will be really affected, what we call them distress return migrant. I think the Kerala government, Indian government, should talk about rehabilitating return migrants. When we talk about return migrants going back to the villages in India, we are talking of putting more money to NREG to give them employment in the villages. Similarly, I think we should talk about the migrants who are coming back with the distress. I talked to one of the return migrants. He told me, I went last year to Gulf. I have paid 80,000 to go to Dubai. 
I have not even made that money back. So I am becoming poor by migrating. I think this is something, a very serious thing. We should look at it. It has happened to Kerala. It will happen in Andhra Pradesh. It will happen in Telangana. The third migrants is what we call them return to re-migrate. I think return to re-migrate people, they lost jobs, but definitely they will re-migrate. I think that is where the future of India migration lies. Because return migrants, all of them are not going to stay home. If you go to North Kerala, in, 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 in North Kerala, in Kerala, many migrants were spent 10 to 15 years in the Gulf, but they were in all countries, three, three years. That means people are re-migrating. I think the COVID is going to create lots of opportunities for re-migration. If the re-migration can be exercised, the whole Indian government, state government can play a major role in providing them what I call them skill India. Skill India we have in this country. You know, you can import them more skill, additional skills, extra skills, so that they can go back, not just to Gulf, beyond Gulf. And then probably the remittance economy in India will be, you know, we received $80 billion in 2019-20. Now we are expecting $10 billion at least decline. I'm sure in 21-22, India will be receiving $100 billion because we are going to send some skilled migrants some skilled migrants, both new and the, the second group of people return to re-migrate. I think we are going to send new two type of migrants. One is first-time migrants who are going to Gulf. Second is who already worked in the Gulf. They are re-migrating either to Gulf or beyond Gulf. So that way, the policies, what we can do, the remittances economy can flourish, not just in, 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 in Kerala throughout the country. So there is also a difference between different categories of workers who are going out of India to work. So some are people who are doing what we call as blue collar jobs, while others are higher skilled migrants and so on. Now, in terms of uh, the very important point which you made, which is that state governments will have to find a ways of absorbing some of these people, but also helping them improve their skills uh, so they become higher skilled in order to migrate. Uh, now, what do you think is the balance between these two, broadly speaking, these two stratas of blue-collar versus white-collar professions uh, in terms of the numbers of people who are coming back? I, I, I mean, do we have any distinct discernible pattern? Uh, are there people who are coming back more belonging to one or the other category or is it a mixed picture? I think COVID is not discriminatory. I think I, I was talking in some meeting yesterday. COVID is no bias. Only we are biased. Our policy is biased in the name of COVID. So because of the, it's not like the global crisis. I think everybody is losing jobs. It is not such an unskilled, semi-skilled, even high-skilled. Engineers are losing jobs. Big managers are losing jobs. So downsizing is happening at every places, not just in the Gulf, even in our own country, in America, in UK. So the downsizing is happening. And then, of course, the Gulf, you have also a high price down, partly because nobody is now using the car. All, everything is winded up because the mobility is closed by the lockdown. So automatically, nobody is using petrol. So automatically, the demand for petrol has come down. So automatically, land, land what is called the oil price, is almost down in the Gulf. And their economy depend upon the oil money. So I think, so, you know, so what, what do you call them? It is everybody is affected. But the point is that the, the, the people who have some skilled migrants, they may have something to fall back upon because they probably they might have had some savings for three to four months to survive. But the unskilled and semi-skilled probably will be like what we call them hand-to-mouth existence. Whatever they earn, they might be sending home. 
So now they are going to be in trouble. That is why we, we have to talk about policies for rehabilitation. Because I don't want, as I have seen in 2008, when the global crisis was hit, there were migrants came from the Gulf for committing suicides. Because the mental health is a very important issue. It is not, you know, that suicide is part of the whole world now. And suicide is being talk of the town in everywhere. So the returned migrants, when they come back, because please remember, this is the first time returned migrants are coming back without any money. They are coming with the empty hands. Otherwise, they normally come with a lot of money. One of the returned migrants whom I spoke to them recently, he told me, last time when I came back from Gulf, there were three cars came to see me. That means three cars with 18 people came to receive him. And this time, nobody was there. He called the taxi driver. He said, sir, if I come and pick you up, I will be in the quarantine for 14 days. So you manage yourself. So I think two things have happened simultaneously. One is we have branded the migrants as the carrier of COVID-19. So there is a psychological and social stress for them. So they have a mental stress because you have branded them carrier of the COVID-19. Anybody coming from Dubai, you isolate them. You put them in quarantine. You pick them up somewhere. So, you know, like some type of a mental craftsman for them and they have no money also. So I think, so it's a very big crisis for them. That's why we they need lots of support at this moment. I think every government should do that. I don't want to see what I have seen in 2008, 2008 global crisis of migrants were committed suicide. So I am not seeing some numbers coming on the suicides right now, but it is going to have the impact on the returned migrants. Everybody is being affected, but the most affected are unskilled worker, which will be something between 30 to 40% of the Indian migrants in the Gulf, 30 to 40%. Right. And the capacity of various Indian states to deal with this problem is also quite different, right? I mean, for instance, Kerala has a department of government which deals with overseas workers. They have a much better system of tracking movements out of the state. You know, you have over decades now carried out these surveys. So, you know, the Kerala government has a at least a good picture of what this economy means, uh, this circulation of people and of money. But, uh, you know, when you think about states like UP, which also in at least numbers seem to be sending uh, quite a lot of people, especially of the lower skilled variety uh, to the Gulf and other places, their capacity to even monitor, uh, let alone device policies to these things cannot be compared to that of Kerala. So do you think there is anything from the Kerala experience that perhaps other states can learn and implement in short order in order to deal with this problem? No, I am suggesting to the both some of the state government and the central government, because I had some discussion with the Ministry of External Affairs Secretary in some Zoom meeting. I think the Kerala model of migration survey should be replicated throughout the country. It should be called India Migration Survey, so that every state has some idea on where their people are going, <clears throat> how much money is coming, what is the migration corridor. For example, Kerala, it is the Gulf is a migration corridor. For Gujarat, it is not the Gulf. Where if you go to Tamil Nadu, it is not a Gulf much. It is also Singapore, Malaysia. So every state has a specific migration corridor. We don't know. If you are, if you are, if you are standing in Kochi airport the night, you will see a lot of freight going to Gulf. If you're standing in Chennai airport, you see a lot of freight going to Singapore, Malaysia also. You know, so I think we have to understand the corridors of our migrant. Then only we can design policies. First of all, we should have a reasonably good database. Like I'm able to tell you 25 lakhs uh, Carolites are in the Gulf. You know, you know 100,000 crores are coming. 35% of the state domestic income. Uh, Malapuram is the highest remittances. Like that. We should have some broad base on every state should have some database on their international migration. I think it is missing 
and COVID should give an opportunity to do, every state should do a survey. But I am telling them, I would like to lead the survey, probably my retirement time. And then I told the diaspora can support the survey. But diaspora can support, because diaspora is supporting India's elections. I know many political parties do get money from diasporas. You know, one diaspora can support the whole migration survey. It is about knowing your own migrants. Where our Indians are going, we should know. So I think this is something we should do in the name of what is called the Kerala model of migrant surveys. And second thing is, I don't think any state government is talking about returned migrants. It is very unfortunate. Because at least somebody is like Kerala, at least gives some, some talk about returned migration. You know, someday they talk about a Dream Kerala project, something they are talking about. Other states, it is not a big agenda on returned migrants. I think nobody is talking about that. Forget about any state. Did you talk about any states like uh, northern states uh, talking about return migration is coming back? People are coming to Lucknow Airport. What should we should do for them? Because they have a big internal migration crisis. So I don't think they have any time to discuss on international migration. That is, you also saw that when the government of India announced a 20 lakh crores budget for reviving the Indian economy, and there were something meant for internal migrants. Actually, there was some service there. They were talking about a race and rice for the migrants. They were talking about one a country, one race and card, so that migrants can get their race and wherever they are. And they were talking about return you know, migrants housing in the cities. They were talking about NRE, NREG to be supported more so that they can get some money. Even they are at their village, they can get 200 rupees. But return migrants, not even a mention in the 20 lakh crore project. That means they are not in the any part of the policy framing, partly maybe because we are talking about 20 million for 1.3 billion people in the country, 20 millions, it's okay. So maybe, you know, you know some type of way we have to open the eyes of people. Return migrants are important. Please remember, our Mahatma Gandhi, father of the nation, was a return migrant. So return migrants bring change. Mahatma Gandhi is a return migrant. So I think we should look at the return migrants in a very big perspective. I think they can really, we call them even, you know, brain gain. They, 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 their brain was went somewhere, they made, and now they are bringing brain gain. We are talking about brain drain earlier days. Now we should talk about brain gain because people come with experience and you can use them so that India can reach that what is called the bi-trillion economy. So I think for that, return migrants should be mainstreamed they should be part of the policy, and then definitely India can, uh, you know, really, you know, come up. And please remember, COVID is not going to stop migration. I think this is something for everyone to tell. COVID is not going to stop migration. It is going to create new types of migration. It is going to open up new migration corridors, new jobs, new occupations, new countries. So I think India should keep their eyes and ears open. And India should also change their policy on migration. Right now, when you talk to anybody in India, they will tell me that India policy is facilitating legal, safe, and orderly migration. I think we have to change our policy. We have to change this policy, make it India is not only facilitating, it is in the future going to promote legal, orderly, and safe migration. You have to, along with facilitation, you have to promote migration because India is the only country in the world right now with huge demographic dividend. And demographic dividend in this country has an expiry date. So you have to use that dividend 
by sending people you can't give employment to all the people who are coming up in the future so you have to provide them employment outside you already set up international skill center so if you can use this what is called the changing from facilitating to promoting the international migration india will be number one in the remittances not 80 billion it may be 160 billion after some time because we are going to send uh, what is called the high skilled and medium skilled migrant migrants for example 10 migrants are sending 200 dollars from gulf you are getting 2000 dollar if you can send one important skilled migrant to america one person will send you 2000 dollar so 10 is replaced by one if you are able to send 10 skilled migrant you are going to get 20000 instead of 2000 by sending 10 unskilled migrant india should emerge as a skill capital for throughout the world everybody can come and pick up the, what they want from india india should be a, what is called the shopping place anybody looking for engineer they can come and pick up anybody looking for plumbers nurses doctors any jobs we have people here we have a big human resource i think it has an expiry date we should use it professor irajan thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your insights it was wonderful to talk to you thank you thank you thank you so much sir thank you for listening to this episode of interpreting india stay safe and don't forget to wash your hands for more information about the podcast and the production team you can follow us on social media and visit our webpage